Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good day, Internet. It's Friday, December 6th. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, here with another interview episode. As you know, last month I attended Paradox Interactive's PDXCon 2019 in Berlin at Paradox's invitation and at their expense for travel and lodging. This is the last of the conversations I had there with longtime Paradox Interactive executive Shams Sarjani. Shams' role has grown alongside Paradox's publishing portfolio. When I first met him, most of what Paradox sold was their own strategy games from their in-house studio, the studio we now call Paradox Development Studio. Shams was responsible for publishing deals for external studios, and in those early days, Shams sometimes felt like a carnival barker for the least impressive sideshows at the Paradox Circus. He dealt with disastrous launches, deals turned sour, and experiments gone wrong. Yet, Shams is also someone with a gift for seeming very genuine and straightforward, honest when it comes to his own mistakes, and able to accept harsh criticism. Uh, when, when Fred said he was stepping to the side, uh, he said, uh, you're going to step out of the management team, Eva's going to come in, and then she's going to build a new management team. Uh, my ego took a little beating, uh, but when Eva started, you know, I told her, I've been here for eight years, uh, the company's been very good to me, I've become wealthy, very happy. Uh, most of the things I have in life I can owe to Paradox. Uh, you tell me what you need, and if you think I've, I'm done here at Paradox, I'll step to the side and somebody who can take on the challenges we need to can, uh, can take them on. I said this believing, oh, maybe 60% of it, but I said it, and then over time I started believing the additional 40%. Um, I, I knew Eva a little bit before she started, uh, but not terribly well. So she was an unknown quantity. Uh, but I was incredibly impressed by her ability to size up and I would not be able to move to a industry which I care zero about in terms of the products. She's not a hardcore game. And you know, 60% of the success I have is because I can rest on my game lords. But she came in, and she's not a hardcore gamer, she's not going to be a hardcore gamer, but she sizes up what's important and executes, and she also shares the same traits that took Fred from the world's worst CEO to the world's best CEO, and it's just two pixels apart, and that's the ability to trust, the ability to not be threatened by your weaknesses and surround yourself with people that are smarter and better than you. Surround yourselves with naysayers and people who are experts in their areas where you're weak, so you can focus on what you're good at. She's excellent. And uh, I was very happy when she asked me six months later if I wanted to step back into the management team. And I said, I'll do whatever it takes. Oh, what did you do for those six months? 
No, I had, I had my same role, but eventually, functionally, the management team didn't really fully exist at that yeah. time. We had a bigger leadership team, but it wasn't a real management team. Uh, and then I had a, a title change to a, a, I got the full C in my title. Um, and then uh, we've worked very closely. If you look at the management team from three years ago, it is only myself and Matthias who are there. Everyone else has moved on. So it is, feels incredibly awkward to say that I'm one of the oldest people in the company. I'm the oldest person in tenure in the publishing department. Uh, and I'm one of the kind of speaker, speakers of the dead, essentially, for, for the days of how things work. Um, I told Eva, whatever grenade comes rolling towards us, whatever you need done, I'll just do that. And I did that with the white wolf thing. Um, and I was fed a shit sandwich every day for like three months. And it was the most fun I've had in my life putting in fires. I should mention here that one of the first things Shams had to handle under the new regime was Paradox's ownership of White Wolf, the RPG developer behind the pen and paper Vampire the Masquerade RPG. White Wolf always had an edgelord sensibility that was considered unusual even within the tabletop space. And Paradox's acquisition of the company, or its remains, from EVE Online publisher CCP was rife with problems from the start. But these problems came to a head in 2018 when a chapter in a vampire source book made explicit reference to anti-gay and queerphobic violence in Chechnya and then simultaneously dismissed the importance of that history while leveraging it as a bit of narrative flavor for the game's setting. In the wake of widespread criticism of that chapter, Paradox took over White Wolf directly. Because what did you inherit? Like, I, I, the acquisition didn't even make sense to me because it appeared like you were buying a, a dumpster fire. Well, what, what, by the time I took it over, uh, when Paradox even if you got like, like, yeah, no, no. So we 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 acquired a burnt out empty husk. Yes, it, we got zero. We got the IP rights uh, and a few lingering uh, licensing agreements that were, weren't great, and then we had to kind of uh, build it up from scratch. We set it up as a separate company. They brought in a bunch of creative people. One of our old uh, VP of sales took over, and they started building it as a separate entity. Uh, they did a bunch of stuff right, and they did a bunch of stuff wrong. Yeah. Uh, but they were trying to do the, the mad task of being profitable and building brands at the same time. Very hard to do. And I think it was uh, Charlie Hall at uh, Polygon who wrote that we, they did a number of unforced errors, he called it very beautifully. Time after time, they just stepped in the wrong pile of dung all the time. So by the time Eva came in, one of the areas that she needed to kind of take a grip of, because they had just been bleeding money for three years, um, was uh, White Wolf. And um, the old CEO stepped out, and she asked me to step in and just uh, see what was what. And I think it, was, it took me kind of three, four weeks of kind of sizing up what was happening when the Chechnya thing happened. And then it turned into death threats and, you know, craziness. And we said, time out. We're having the wrong type of conversations about what we're doing and why we're doing. Um, you know, we had, we had that terrible chapter in the book. And it's not, the ma the problem wasn't that we had a chapter about Chechnya. It was about how we dealt with Chechnya. Uh, and it was also the fact that, you know, when that came out, we had a bunch of people, marginalized people, came out and said, why are you talking about this difficult topic in this terrible way? Uh, and we said, you're right. But before we had time to do that, the alt-right people came out and defended us. That's not where we want to be. Uh, so I had to kind of clean that. And then we've uh, merged stuff, moved people around, new people, old people have left, uh, and set it up in a structure where 
it's we're very proud of the work we're doing with White Wolf now. We're gonna have more stuff being announced and released the next twelve months than the company's had in its entire history. Now Shams is at a different place, but at a very different company. Paradox is about as well known for the games it publishes, like Cities, Skylines, or Battletech, as it is for the games its studio develops. Shams is the chief business development officer at Paradox, and the last of the company's old corporate leadership. He answers to Paradox CEO Ebba Lundgerud, who was appointed after the company's IPO, and gives it a slightly more professional, frankly corporate appearance following the departure of longtime CEO and ringmaster Frederick Wester. I haven't had a really good answer about this yeah. the other day, about like uh, margins actually defining it. Yeah, they are. Like the board's cool with it. Yeah. Are they cool with it though? Like, when is, like what board in history has ever been cool with Because margins? we have stupidly high margins. But they know everything Paradox does, everything is always long-term. So we're saying that we're fine with taking a short-term hit to our margins if that means that we long-term will end up in a stronger situation. Yeah. What's the, what's the biggest business risk Paradox has? It's our dependency on one distribution platform. For a very long time, we were only PC, and we were, most of it was on Steam. So we're like, hey, uh, this is super dangerous. What happens if, uh, God forbid, something happens to Gabe, they sell the company, they stop doing distribution, or they kick us out? Overnight, they changed their refund policy, right? Without informing anyone. And if you had an indie game that had a playtime of one hour, you were completely screwed. Because people played it for one hour and then refunded your game. Your entire business model was invalidated. So we love Steam. We think that Valve is the best thing that's happened to the games industry. But it's, uh, you know, from a strictly business standpoint, it's super uh, liability. So how do you become more independent from one particular party? Well, by becoming more independent first, you make more money and then can become more independent. So we stopped doing non-Steam builds and we became exclusive to Steam. And then after a while, we have now our own backend, we have our own ecosystem. So it's the same kind of play. We're investing heavily into tech, IP, development processes, improving stuff, uh, so that in a few years' time, the margins can then go this. And then you can argue, like, have our margins of the past few years been, been reasonable? We've, they've been super boosted by Stellaris and City Skylines. Like, we have margins of, like, 45%. It's nuts. Yeah. So it's, but it's, that's where it is. But they're absolutely fine. Because just look, if you look at the ownership structure, it is very, li very little has changed compared to when we were non-public. And this is the big thing. Fred owns 33.34%. Uh, his partner company owns another 16, so that's 51%. That hasn't changed. And it's, you know, it's a number of other key staff and long-term partners who, own, who buy into the company because they believe in the long-term strategy. There's a very, for a very long time, the Paradox stock went like this. And the reason was that we had a very small float. Very few stocks were actually being purchased and sold because everyone else was just sitting on their, uh, their, their, stock, uh, their, their stock. Because nobody wants to sell because everyone's long-term. So these kind of nuances, of course, are lost in a Reddit discussion when most people are not used to these kind of high-level yeah. discussions. So try to highlight them when we can. Um, um, in terms of like total profits brought in by the company, what are Paradox Publishing versus PDS? I was curious what that balance is. Yeah, we don't, we don't, uh, uh, we're very hush on that. Okay. But I can tell you it varies. PDS is very profitable. Um, and the publishing department is profitable depending on what's happening. Okay. So there's a little more variance in your business. Yeah. So I mean, we've had this weird situation where uh, one year the PDS team we were like, this is 2009. 
the PDS team comes and says, why are we publishing games? We should just make PDS games. And then the year after we release Magicka, and then they come and ask us, when are you shutting down our internal studio? <laughs> and then the year after they come back and say, why are we making you know, a showdown effect? You should cancel all third-party projects. So it's a, it's a kind of cyclical relationship. Like, when we have third-party titles that do well, it just goes like this. So it's it's over time it evens out, yeah. but the, the grand strategy games are real money makers. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I think in the U.S. discourse, right, like the economy, um, there's a lot of anxiety just around the entire model, like how corporate governance in the U.S. model yeah. is very, uh, look, quarterly earnings call time yeah. is coming up. Uh, it would be helpful if we just had 10% of our employee base just not here. Yeah, exactly. However we arrive at that, let's make yeah, it Yeah, happen. of course. Yeah. And so what you see in a lot of America, like American companies, at least, is like, Margins go up artificially, but by cutting into muscle and bone, yeah, 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 yeah. And like, yeah. it's hugely painful and disruptive. Yeah, of course. Lots. Why isn't this model like? Why is that? First of all, is that a different model than yeah, yeah. generally the model? No, no, it's it's a, no. I, I completely understand. I have a good answer. So, first off, labor laws in Sweden make it fucking impossible to re- let go of folks that quickly. It yeah. just doesn't work that way. Once you've worked at a company for six months in Sweden, I don't want to say you have tenure, but you got to fuck up royally in order to be able to kind of divest somebody from company. We make sure people are not covering their assets. So we can't do short-term measures to kind of save a quarterly report. But the main thing is that we just don't care. We fought tooth and nail not to have to do quarterly reports, but the law is the law. Because we don't operate on a quarterly basis. Our games take like three years to make and then run for seven years. Who gives a shit about a quarter? It doesn't really matter. So whenever an investor comes along and has that kind of quarterly focus, we try to tell them in so many words, maybe this isn't, isn't for you. And we often talk about Tim Cook. Well, during one of the earnings calls, somebody said, why are you building your big donut facility, Cupertino facility in this environmental friendly fashion that is far above Californian standards? And then he just, what he said was that maybe this Apple stock isn't for you. We want to be really clear about who should own our company. If you're not in it for the long haul, there are other companies you can, you can, you can own. So it's mechanics of, we can't do it in Sweden. It just doesn't work. And secondly, we don't believe in it. We don't think it's good. And, you know, that, and that is thanks to the fact that we have very stable owners. The five people who sit on the board are very committed long-term. If, let's say we even have 15% of our owners are very short-term. Who gives a shit about them? In the sense that they don't have the influence. Yeah. I shouldn't say, oh, we don't give a shit about our owners. But 
the company is what it is. It is a long-term company. Uh, and uh, we'd much rather have our fans and people under, understand us as owners than people who just want to turn a buck. So, and we are, we get so much flack from the, uh, from the uh, fiduciary departments and whatever they call them in Sweden, who say that we release too little information. There have been periods in the company history since we IPO'd where we had zero titles announced for the future. They're like, what are you doing? You have to talk about what you're gonna do in the future. We're like, no. So we play our cards very close to the best because again, we know we'll cancel stuff as much as we want to and need to in order to run a sustainable long-term business. All of this works, of course, as long as the company is profitable and everything is going. So when things are going south, you and me should have the conversation and see how well we're sticking to our guns. But this is fundamentally what we think is a good way of running our business. It's, it's evident in our games. It's evident in how we run our staff. It's evident in our ownership structure. Long term. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, the other thing is, I was talking to uh, to Johan the other night, mm. and hearing about his glorious life in Barcelona, uh, long lunchtime walks, hanging out with Fred, um, and in so many words, dude sounds like he's got a bed, and he's pretty rich. Uh, yeah. And the thing that occurred to me is like, Joe, like, knowing the night, Johan put in the fucking work. Yeah, he- but at the same time, there's a lot of junior developers coming in to Paradox. Uh, teams much It's a huge team now. And I think something that, again, like in the American model, that comes up a lot is like, a lot of people are on career ladders to nowhere, right? Like, if you weren't in on the ground floor, you don't get the place in Barcelona. Like, you're lucky to get retirement. What's, like, how do you take care of the next generation of, like, Paradox talent? Like, Bill that, is, that is an incredibly good uh, uh, question. So... First of all, I, I, you got a fucking migraine. So no, it's. I wish you would just stop talking about as well. Like we get it, Yuan. You're doing well. It's fine, but it is. But it's also a counter reaction. I think maybe it's. I mean, maybe Yuan is the closest thing we have to you know, uh, <laughs> black hip hop stars in the U.S. When they make it, they have to show it, right? Uh, because they just really because he came from absolutely nothing. He was, you know, nobody's really super poor in Swedish, but he was really, really poor. Um, so maybe it's a counter reaction to that. Um, but the question is super bad. I don't think it is, you know, it's, I think it's probably safe to say that unless you get on board on the ground floor, you're not going to be, become rich through equity. Uh, there are, of course, tons of people who do become quite wealthy through, you know, other means. We, we work in an industry where we're surrounded by Ubisoft's AAA office, uh, DICE AAA office, Epic's AAA office, all of them are surrounded us, Avalanche, Starbreeze, whatever. Yeah. Much like our games, we've decided that we do not want to get into an arms race over uh, high salaries or uh, making people rich quickly. There have been you know, uh, bonus schemes at Apple where uh, car and autonomous car engineers have made some mad bonuses after a couple of two years, they've just retired. So, so you you got to set up a structure in your company where you're sustainable long term. Again, long term. Um, so, what we try to do to maintain a strong value proposition, and I think it is working for the most part, is that we're recruiting a ton of senior people from Dice and EA who are stepping down the salary. Why? Because we have we can offer something that the other companies can't: a proper life balance 
uh, work-life balance. Yeah. Nobody has to kind of buy a, a stack of adult diapers to make it through the crunch every once every year. Everyone generally works 40-hour weeks. Some people sometimes more, sometimes people less. So, and we're very, very generous with lateral movement in the company, uh, long paternity leaves, maternity leaves, make the family work. And that's one of the reasons we gel quite well with the uh, hairbrain schemes as well. They've always also had this as one of their subjects. You know, you can easily, you know, go to another company um, in, in Sweden and probably make more money, but there's a different, it, it comes back to what do you value? Is it money? Is it time? Is it the type of projects you work on? What is it? But we definitely need to improve in certain areas uh, and continue to do well in the areas where we're stronger. I stay with Paradox because um, I continue to be challenged and I work with really smart people. Um, we had, we, uh, my wife and I had a miscarriage, our second child in December of last year, it was very late. And I had a real, not a crisis, but I had asked myself like, why am I doing the things I'm doing at the end of the day? And what I came back to is I'm not doing it for more prestige or uh, I don't want to work. No, nobody could offer any other job to me that I would take. At Valve, Blizzard, Disney, put me in charge of Star Trek, whatever. I would say no to it. I'm very happy where I am. So, And then I asked myself, why am I happy? Because I get to keep with, working with really smart people. And I'm just, it's, I'm not a religious person, but I'm very blessed in that, uh, yeah. uh, in that sense. And that's why I keep staying at Paradox. So I told that. Shams and I ended up talking a lot about protecting a company's identity from the culture fostered by earnings-focused quarterly reports to investors. It was interesting to hear how Swedish law constrains companies' options when it comes to the kind of mass layoffs that are a regular feature of the United States corporate landscape. And Shams' discussion of that issue makes it clear how unusual the U.S. model really seems to those brought up in the Nordic model. But I also noticed how Shams talked about Paradox's sizable profit margins and how they keep its board pacified and indicated that Paradox doesn't get in salary arms races in the notoriously competitive and expensive Stockholm market. This all sounds pretty good if you're a Paradox fan, I suppose. I like the idea of Paradox having the freedom to continue making the kinds of games I've loved for years. But I wonder how it looks to people at the start of their careers with the company, or haven't risen to the senior leadership positions. Does the publisher really deliver the better work-life balance that it prides itself on? Good corporate values can be important to creating a healthy workplace, but they can also be empty phrases offered in lieu of compensation. I think as Paradox moves farther from its scrappy founding era, it will be a challenge for even clear-eyed realists like Shams to know whether the company's answers to these questions are the best or merely the most convenient. That does it for this edition of Waypoint Radio. Be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. I'd like to think we're a five-star podcast, but it's not for me to say. You can follow everything we do at Waypoint and find our website at waypoint.vice.com. This episode is produced by Ricardo Contreras. Theme music was the track Miss You by Bowen off the EP Pale Machine. You can learn more at waypoint.zone slash Bowen. We'll have another episode of Waypoint Radio later this week or next week depending on when this goes up we're getting very ready for the holiday season so this is obviously recorded a bit in advance and i'm not even sure of what day this is going up there's a date at the top of the podcast but plans sometimes change around waypoint as i'm sure you know no matter how it pans out in the meantime do not fall into complacency
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 